0: Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage, Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Commander Benjamin Sisko, the Federation Starfleet Deep Space Nine.
1: Welcome to the Greatest Generation, Deep Space Nine, the Star Trek podcast about Deep Space Nine by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Franica.
0: I'm Ben Harrison.
1: We're back where we belong been on opposite sides of the same coast no yeah. longer looking at each other during i'm wearing a comfy pair of sweatpants
0: oh i'm so glad i'm wearing a comfy pair of shorts because it is hot as fuck here
1: oh i left in it and then it becomes shorts weather that's
0: typical yeah. right you came for like maybe the rainiest couple of days that los angeles has seen in 5 years <laughs> yeah from seattle <laughs> the day i got to la they were calling it storm of the year Fun. And
1: uh it was the it was the thing that delayed our flight to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Ben, did we talk about the Grand Canyon trip at all? I can't remember. I don't think we did. Yeah, I, I saw the Grand Canyon for the first time and I did it with you and a bunch of other Max Max Fun pals yeah. uh, working on a fun pledge drive specific reward project from last year.
0: Yeah, it was really uh, it was really shameful for me to stand there and have you look back and forth from the canyon to me and say you didn't know which one was more empty. <laughs> Still don't. You're talking about that in therapy? I just looked into that great big chasm
1: and I felt nothing but respect.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of the Max Fun Drive, Adam, this is the Max Fun Drive. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: happening as we speak, and uh, I don't want to overpromise something to people who support the show, but this extra special Grand Canyon episode was a reward for last year's uh, contributors, so I, I can't even imagine the things we have in store for our listeners if we're able to reach that big 25,000 con- contributions number uh, in support of the network.
0: One thing I think we can promise... Uh, which has probably already been announced on social media at this point, but uh while we were at the Grand Canyon, uh we were having a a hang with Stuart Wellington of the Flop House podcast, and we got to talking about how bad Star Trek Five is, and wouldn 't it be fun to do a monster flop house greatest gen crossover episode where we talk about that movie. Where we where we flop it and greatest Janet at the same time, and uh, I think that's going to happen if the network hits the goal. The greatest flop is what we could call it.
1: <laughs> yeah, two great tastes that'll most definitely taste great together. Ben, uh, you and I will sit on the end with the ugly hosts. <laughs> while the hosts of the flop house occupy the first three chairs <laughs> in that in that great looking band.
0: Yeah, so we'll be back later to talk about. Pledge gifts uh, one more time, but guys, this is the Max Fund Drive. There are only two weeks a year where this happens, and it's where we develop the large, large majority of the support that we get for the show. If you are not supporting the show already, and if, and uh, it's in your budget, head to maximumfund.org/slash/donate right now. Become a member; you will feel awesome every time you listen, and you'll get great gifts that we'll talk about a little later. Become An extra
1: good friend of DeSoto. (laughs) A friend with benefits of DeSoto, even.
0: Maximumfun.org slash donate. Adam, it has been a long time since we, the uh, hosts of this show, (laughs) cracked open our Bible. What do you say we uh, do a little Bible study? It's good to see you all in church. It's called the Bible.
1: That's... The way God wants it. I don't know why, dude. All these questions—is a little blind faith too much to ask? Did you go to a lot of church when you were little? I did go to church
0: a lot when I was little.
1: Uh, I did too. Did you ever? Were you ever made to uh, to read the verses? Uh, in, in front of the congregation?
0: I was. I, I was also in the choir, and I was uh, an acolyte. I, like, helped uh, helped the priest during services when I was a teen.
1: Jesus, Ben. I think we have a very similar background in that regard. Of course, uh, I was disinvited from the choir. <laughs> but, uh, in, a, in a rare bit of non-forgiveness <laughs> by, by those at my church, uh, they were unwilling to accept me into
0: uh, contralto, <laughs> <laughs> standing in the in the choir. They said, "Well, he has the voice of an angel. We cannot allow him into our choir."
1: The lungs of an angel who were slowly filling with liquid. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ben, I've turned uh, I've turned to page fourteen in the Star Trek DS9 show bible. Page 14 is, uh, is in the middle section of how they describe their main cast characters, and wouldn't you know it for this episode, I've turned to the chapter on Quark. Fun. Quark is the Ferengi bartender. The Ferengi race has been a part of STTNG since the very beginning. They are ugly, sexist, greedy little aliens who are interested <laughs> only in profit, and getting their hands on anything of yours they happen to fancy. Quark runs many... Of the entertainment concessions on DS Nine, including the bar, restaurant, gambling house, and the Hollow Suites upstairs, he spends most of his time behind the bar.
0: It is interesting that he spends so much time behind the bar. Like he's a he's like a real hands-on restaurateur, you know.
1: He has not come around to that that thing where uh, delegation is the true power of management.
0: Right. Yeah. He's uh, he's kind of uh, he's kind of particular about how the drinks get made, and he doesn't really trust anybody else to do it.
1: He's not big on soft power, is he? No. If there is some scam being run in the sector, it often involves him. (laughs) Beyond the malevolence, he is a charming host and forges an interesting relationship with Sisko. They actually enjoy sparring together now and then, and the Ferengi lends a hand to solve problems for the commander, as long as there's something in it for him. His effete sexist attitudes make Kira an obvious adversary. He is consumed with passion for Dax. So ends the reading.
0: <laughs> Peace be with you, Adam. <laughs>
1: Peace be with you, Ben. Wow, uh, sort of an abrupt end to the Quark chapter. Letter from Quark to the Corinthians.
0: Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of surprised that Odo doesn't get name checked in that. Right up, I know
1: they seem like they are more naturally adversarial than Kira and Quark, but uh, maybe we'll find out more from the Odo chapter in the show Bible.
0: What an interesting chapter to uh, to select, given the topic of today's episode, Adam. It's season two, episode seven, Rules of Acquisition. Do you realize how incredible this is? <laughs> no, of course you don't. We
1: get a real fun mourn scene to start things off. <laughs> I have so many questions about this cold open. So it's, Odo is is it's sort of like closing time on the promenade.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, Bourne.
1: Why does the promenade close, Ben? This is like when you're we, when you're unfortunate enough to uh, to be at an airport and and departing on a flight that is leaving after all of the restaurants and bars close. Right, and you're just. That's, a, that's another moment where I'm like, why isn't there one thing open in the airport? There should be things open
0: on the promenade at all times, right? You'd think that it would be a 24-hour thing if only... Oh, is it 25 hours? Is that like a, a Bajor thing, that everything's on a 25-hour clock? I think so. But like ships put in there all the time, right? And they've got their own clocks on the ship, right? It's not like you, you put into port and you reset all the clocks to whatever they're at, right? That'd be fucking chaos, Adam. That'd be like going from 3 shifts to 4 shifts. I don't like you. And that never stuck.
1: Oh. No. If you're going to have us believe that this is a place with with closed hours, then stick a couple of vending machines on the promenade. I want to know what's in those vending machines. <laughs> we see nary a vending machine on the in the entire promenade. Morn gets up and shuffles over to the closed doors of Quarks. Is Morn a hobo?
0: <laughs> does he have nowhere to live? <laughs> he's like just he's just in Quarks until he gets kicked out and then sleeps it off on a bench and then goes back into Quarks. Where does where does the money for paying for what he buys at Quarks come from?
1: I both do and don't want to know how <laughs> Morn earns that money that he then just dumps straight back into Quarks. I think it's pretty safe to say that the fun has stopped for morn w slash r slash t uh quarks yeah it's sort of a sad story, yeah, the more I think about it
0: morn is uh is drinking because he has to to keep the pain at bay much like the
1: story of most people with enormous cocks <laughs> Morn's is a story of tragedy and and failing to fit in to normal life he's going to end up like dirk Diggler like. Just jerking it in a pickup truck for ten bucks.
0: Yeah, thirteen inches is a tough load. I don't treat you gently. It's not how you want to end up. That's sad. Well, inside Quarks, uh, the at- activity has not exactly died down. It's just gone more exclusive. Uh, this is there's a game of Tongo being played. So I guess Quark kind of turns into a games workshop in the off hours.
1: I really like the analog between what's happening here and the idea of like a Chinatown district with a like some exotic off hour gambling happening here. And it involves Viewmaster Discs and they do a slow pan uh, around the table. There's sort of a, a lazy Susan of gambling in the middle and uh, and they, they pan to the last person, and it's Dax, and she's kicking their asses.
0: Doesn't she ever lose? Yeah, Dax learned as Curzon, but now in Jadzia edition is even better at this game uh, than Curzon ever was. And uh, despite the evidence that is right in front of them that women can be good at things too, they're, like, stating their belief that, that women suck at this, and therefore it is unjust that... She'd be winning.
1: I really wanted a slow pan down to, like, a sleeved ankylosaur tail <laughs> holding another couple of these discs. Like, an <laughs> ace up her sleeve style. <laughs>
0: that
1: would have been no fun. one ever checks the ankylosaur for cards.
0: No, yeah. Um, would it be coming out of that, like, that marsupial pouch that she's yeah. sort of implied to have?
1: That is exactly what I'm talking about.
0: Gross. So we also get a little intrigue with a Ferengi waiter named of Pell, who is kicking it to Quark about some types of sand peas that uh, he thinks are gonna be gonna be a hot new bar snack at the uh, at the bar because they make you so insanely thirsty.
1: There's no such thing as pretzels in the 24th century future. <laughs> like, this is a new technology, the idea of a salty snack.
0: When the earth went full post-scarcity communism, unfortunately, the Snyders of Hanover Corporation went out of mm-hmm. business.
1: If you're planning a first strike, you want to <laughs> knock out the, the Snyders compound first.
0: Yeah. You want to go with the uh, the the Snyders of Hanover pieces. Don't Don't fuck with the nibs the honey mustard and onion pieces best pretzel in in the game
1: oh jeez all that all that mustard powder yeah.
0: disagree good stuff hard disagree delicious
1: the the trouble with eating a pretzel that's dusted with mustard powder is your mouth tastes like mustard powder after
0: yeah it's fucking delicious well in the absence of pretzels they've got to do these peas and ram is like real threatened by this because this uh this is definitely like somebody getting a come up in a place where he feels like he is entitled to all come ups because the boss is his brother.
1: And part of it is because uh, Pell is a real go getter, just in general. Like, yeah, Pell is Pell is very knowledgeable about the rules of acquisition. Pell uh, has ideas about how to further Quark's business in ways that uh, Rom really doesn't. Like it's easy for him to, to be threatened by Pell because Pell is almost exactly Rom's opposite.
0: And this uh this starts a an enmity between the two where Rom keeps trying to fire Pell and Quark keeps shutting that down. So this is all interrupted by uh Grand Negasek base timing in say that he is visiting the station.
1: The Ferengi expansion into the Gamma Quadrant is about to begin.
0: Which uh, kind of blindsides Quark, but uh, Zek is is there to oversee the initial Ferengi business forays in the Gamma Quadrant.
1: I'd like you to be my chief negotiator. I was a little surprised that Zek had the Khrushchev phone into Quark's quarters. (laughs) Like that direct line of communication... Uh, would make me so paranoid if I were Quark. That thing could ring at any
0: time. Yeah, he's got the uh, the Amazon Echo that has the screen where you can just pop in. Yeah, I don't like that at all. That's <laughs> so creepy. Zach, give me a fucking
1: break. It's nice to have Wallace Shawn back, though. Yeah. Yeah, the promise here is that there's a shitload of latinum in it for him if he can just start up the business on the other side of the hole.
0: And uh, latinum's all, all Quark wants in the world. So, uh... Zack comes aboard and like he he pops into Commander Cisco's office to talk to Cisco and Kira and um, you know it's one of those weird things where he's like a a head of state that they have no respect for you know it's like <laughs> Gaddafi visiting the UN it's like okay I guess we have to listen to this asshole for a little while
1: yeah yeah heads a state that no one has respect for it's it's so weird you see that so infrequently these days <laughs>
0: yeah. Nice nice that we live in an era where we've put all that kind of silliness behind us.
1: One thing that they have not put behind them on this show is that, like, Zek and, to a greater degree, the Ferengi, are still the physical comedians <laughs> of Star
0: Trek. A little late, aren't we? And uh, he does this thing. It's kind of like negotiation edging where he mm-hmm. promises a bunch of free fertilizer to Kira as payment for letting him do the thing and then, like, wraps up the meeting by going, like, all right, well, I'll just put together an invoice for that fertilizer. And they're like, no, 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 Zach, you said free. And, uh, and it, like, goes back and forth a couple of times. And he it's clear that he's really just getting off on the idea that they are haggling over a final agreement. Like, he doesn't actually care about the money even as much as the haggle.
1: It's the game. Yeah. That's what he lives
0: for. He, he does it all for the love. He gets the paper, but he's still for the love, y'all.
1: Looks like Kira has a slightly different haircut in the scene, Ben, and it made me think. Is she a lost slick back? <laughs> <laughs> is she the fourth slickback? I feel like Because she seems to be going to the same hairstylist as Jake. But how did that child acquire access to a shuttlecraft?
0: There are more slickbacks than I feel like the, th- the slickback trilogy would it would imply I think she she qualifies
1: she's at least like slickback emeritus right
0: <laughs> yeah, she's like the the big sister slickback
1: Big brother big Slickback <laughs> you have another one uh, no yeah I don't either
0: Go Ducartan. Ducartan. Go Ducartan. Ducartan. so
1: So Cork is super amped about his good fortune and the responsibility he's being given. But Pell sort of has a warning for him. And that warning is like, you know, it seems great uh, on the surface that you're being put in charge here. But if it's a success, uh, Zek is going to take all of the credit. And if it's a failure, he's going to need someone to take the blade. me. And Pell always seems to be around with that kind of knowledge. Like. She's a she's a very steadying force for Cork in yeah, this way.
0: She's like, don't let Zek Shimon Perez your Yitzhak Rabin. <laughs> <laughs> like either either way, Zech wins. You just want to make sure you don't lose.
1: I think it's important to apply Israeli government analogues to all of the situations here in this episode specifically. <laughs> We get a reveal here after the advice that Pell gives Quark of, uh, of a form of disrobing where Pell takes off her ears and uh, and sort of the corset that has been gathering her in. You know, like whenever I, I get home from a shoot or a day at work, you like to uh, you like to undo that top button. Loosen the collar a little bit.
0: And make fists with your toes.
1: Throw my ears in the box where I keep them, just like Pell.
0: I know, I know, it sounds crazy.
1: So it's a fairly startling reveal that uh, that Pell is a lady Pell. And this is significant because all we know about Ferengi women up to this point are that uh, they are submissive to their men, they are naked, and they aren't allowed to do business. These are things that Pell does all of.
0: Yeah. And they're also not allowed to leave the Ferengi homeworld, and Pell did that too. Yeah, Pell's ticking all the boxes that girls aren't supposed to tick. Uh, I like the the end of this scene. Pell just like sits down in the chair, satisfied that she's not in drag anymore. But it's like, like it, it it's like one of those things that like only works in television and film. Like nobody sure. ever sits down and just goes, hmm, <laughs> and then stares off into space at, at you know indefinitely.
1: Pell sits down on on Malora's remote control and turns off the gravity on accident.
0: <laughs> She'd be totally fucked if she got
1: Malora's cabin.
0: Oh yeah, I wonder how that works. What do you, how do you think you get assigned quarters when you get to Deep Space Nine? Does Deep Space Nine charge rent? I guess it must, right? Because it's got to like it's it's Bajoran.
1: I bet there's a a sliding scale based on. On accommodations and, and view, a lot like a cruise ship, right? You want outward-facing ring.
0: Yeah, or if you get inward-facing, inward-facing on somebody hot, you know? And what's <laughs> going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, you don't want to get stuck with uh, that situation you get in an apartment complex sometimes where you...
0: Where there's just some old man walking around in his underpants across the way.
1: Yeah, and he's just scratching. Yeah,
0: that's not good.
1: He needs to get a cream on that. Yeah, the no scratches.
0: Yeah, like go to the dermatologist, dude. What's going on?
1: The alien race that Quark is meant to do business with are <laughs> uh, are the Dosi, and uh, these guys have recently gone to a carnival yeah. where they do face painting. Yeah, and uh, and this stuff is not washing off.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like what if a BDSM review from a uh, like a bondage club, went, mm. to, uh, went to a carnival and got some face paint. The lead dosy is a real that guy, Ben. It's Brian Thompson. Yeah.
1: Who you might remember as, as the alien bounty hunter in X-Files. He had like a super long run on that show where he mostly just squinted into the camera and flexed his face. Yeah, he's love... the most muscular face I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: he he could like he could like chop a brick in half by flexing his cheekbone.
1: He really has bad guy face too because he was the bad guy from Cobra and that once you get a typecast as 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 a guy with that kind of face, I don't think he's ever going to He's never going to be like the kindergarten cop, you know? He doesn't he <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem to have a very affectionate face.
0: His, his like even his headshot on IMDb is like he's smiling and like looking happy and it's still terrifying. <laughs> like he just he just looks evil. Is that all the association from the X-Files that I'm uh, that I'm like projecting back onto him? I don't think you're wrong. I mean, he's got that smile
1: that That looks like he's hiding an axe behind his back. Yeah. He's really great at at his acting job, though. Like, this is not... I'm not disparaging uh, the Brian Thompson. No, he's great. Just saying that, like, he's sort of born for this.
0: It's fun that he gets, like, a bunch of stuff to do in this episode. You know? They
1: give him that that uniform that reveals his ample décolletage. (laughs) Yeah. Because when you are... uh, when you were racking those pec exercises in the gym, you want to show that off.
0: He's got, yeah, he's got pecs that are so big that he has full on dude cleavage.
1: Yeah, they they're, they were like flipping through Loxana Troy's wardrobe to see if anything <laughs> would work on him. The thing with the Dosi is that they're kind of a yeller screamer type. They're a real like bang on the table and get your way sort of alien race. And this is this is not a way that quark likes to do business like he's he's very uh tactical and reasonable by comparison but he's not scared really by all the bluster which i think is is neat to see Quark holds it together with the help of pell you want to do business with the ferengi you talk to quark Pell is the Ferengi behind the Ferengi.
0: The guy behind the guy behind the guy. Quark made a a very shrewd business decision in hiring Pell to be a consultant on this project. And Pell, like, you know, gets off to a bit of a rocky start, but uh, she is a natural and she helps him. You know, like this first negotiation doesn't go great in that it doesn't like end with thumb on pad, but it does end with... The dozy saying that they'll think about what what they've talked about. And at, at least the door is still open. It doesn't seem like a no yet.
1: And that feels like success at this point. Right. Close, After a scene that began so threateningly.
0: Closer to success than it seemed like they would get at the beginning. Um, right. We have a kind of fun scene in Ops where Kira and Dax are hanging out and the uh, Erzatz Ham that... Zek rolls around with, comes up up there and gives Kira some kind of uh, romantic overture from Zek and uh, and they get to talking about how much Dax just really loves the Ferengi I don't understand your attitude about the Ferengi I
1: mean, and I really admired Dax's description of them it made me consider them in a way that I really hadn't before, like uh, you really know what you get with <laughs> with a Ferengi like there are a number of things to worry about, but at least you know. Like, that knife is is not going to hit you in the back with a Ferengi. They're going to stab you in the chest.
0: <laughs> I mean, it will, they will stab, stab you in that. the back, but they will they will make it plain that they are stabbing you in the back while doing it.
1: <laughs> right, and as you're being stabbed, you'll sort of shrug your shoulders and be like, I should have known better. Yeah, Dax has dealt with probably thousands of different races for her to have uh, any kind of specific love for an alien race, I think is is very significant.
0: She's the kind of character that sees the good in things, you know? She's not a judgmental person, and so the things that are true of the Ferengi are true, and she is, like, willing to enjoy them on those terms. And, you know, like, Kira's kind of the opposite, right? She, like, hates anybody that isn't, a thousand percent Bajoran resistance affiliated mm-hmm. and and really has a tough time like coming around on people that, that don't have that point of view in their life. And she eventually does, but like for Dax, it's very easy. And I like that about her.
1: There's really no reason to believe that Dax isn't a space hippie, right? <laughs> like I can't think of a moment where she's acted particularly aggressive or mean or upset, like the most memorable things about her are her passivity and her just blissful enjoyment of other people.
0: Well, if that's true, Adam, Pell makes the gravest of errors when the next Tongo game ends because she goes with Dax to a second location. Right. He can't do that. (laughs) Can't go go there with a space hippie. And uh, this is the scene where Pell lets slip her her secret, right? She doesn't even know I'm a female.
1: You're a woman? <laughs> yeah, what's notable about this scene is how little Dax has to work to get a secret out of Pell that Pell has conceivably spent a very long time hiding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, But it's, Pel, it's that thing of Pell thinking Dax knows, and so, like, why even conceal it?
1: Right. But, Jesus, Pell, like, you need to be sure here. <laughs> Everything depends on it, (laughs) but it couldn't have happened with a better scene partner because Dax accepts this news with aplomb
0: and support. And you know for sure Dax isn't putting your business out in the street if you don't explicitly authorize that, you know?
1: No, the like, only way you're going to get that intel is by taking out her ankiosaur and sticking it in yourself.
0: Yeah, but Dax, like Dax, really isn't a gossip. No, and she's like fascinated and intrigued by Pell. She has been kind of riding for a more woke way of thinking among the Ferengi she knows, and Pell is a, a great example of why that kind of thinking is true. It really is
1: easy for Dax to say though because Dax earns the Ferengi's respect by beating them at gambling but Pell has been buried under the societal pressure that that Ferengi put on on females and so like right. I I totally understand her reticence or her or her disbelief in in Dax's portrayal of Ferengi as being potentially open-minded to this idea
0: yeah and i mean i guess like we don't really know it would be interesting if they had spent some time on like what pell's gambling strategy is like would pell be dope at tango but but loses to the boss because that's like the proper ferengi thing or loses to the boss because she doesn't want to be made you know doesn't ever want anybody to notice her like i feel like they, they could have they could have uh Explored the kind of subterfuge that she has to live her life with a little bit more by, like, using that that gambling lens a little bit.
1: They never play it for comedy in a way that I am glad that they didn't. You know, like, there's no there's no Mrs. Doubt firing of of Pell at any point. You know, where she's got to like stick two pies on the side of her head to. To to confuse someone who's entered her quarters, you know about the size of her lobes. You know,
0: I think that that would be a a, a punch down that sure. would be not surprising given the, the track record of Star Trek writers' rooms.
1: Well, but also not surprising with how this show treats Ferengi, and that was, I think, more the point that I was trying to make. Is like this this alien race it has been a punch down from the beginning and it and it shows a sort of restraint that i was happy to see
0: right no yeah i'm i'm there with you buddy
1: the one other thing that we get from the scene between dax and pell is that not only is pell a ferengi female but she's also in love with quark
0: and i mean who wouldn't be right he treats her so well it sounds like
1: a You know, one of those workplace romances that's just born out of proximity and time. Yeah. More than anything specific to the characters. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pair. A bucket. Mr. Bucket, I have to revert back to my living state. I don't use the bucket anymore. There's a line of dialogue here that clangs with me every time I hear it, and I wish it was never a line of dialogue in anything television or movie-wise. Uh Pelt gets started confiding her love of Quark with Dax and says, There's only one thing I wasn't counting on. (laughs) Falling in love. Like, (laughs) There's only one thing I wasn't counting on. Ellipse moment to a line of dialogue is not great. That is a movie trailer narration. That is not a thing that people say.
0: I don't think there's a B storyline, but if there's a C storyline in this episode, it is the... Zek trying to kick it to Kira storyline. She gives back the the uh, necklace or whatever. Gets a little grabby with that ass.
1: I wanted Kira to fucking take his head off.
0: Yeah, like, does he have diplomatic immunity? Or, like, why doesn't he get drop kicked out of, out of an airlock?
1: Especially because Kira has thrown cork through his own bar for, for not even touching her.
0: Like, who gives a fuck about Zach? What is the upside of her ignoring the fact that he is... Breaking her touch bubble. I
1: have no idea. It was not a great moment. It's for a weird Kira. episode
0: because it's like, it's about like some characters being confronted with misogyny being bad, right? But this, like, this just goes totally uncommented on like it's normal.
1: Especially because, you know, we have been groomed as viewers to understand Kira as someone who puts up with no shit.
0: Right. She, she, uh, Don't show her
1: putting up with shit.
0: Yeah. Give me a break. Don't retcon shit being put up with.
1: I want to see Kira making a fist, and that fist is full of Zek's stupid fucking ear hair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cut to her fucking braiding that and making it a a metal on her chest. That would be. Fuck Zek
0: forever. That would be great. Like. Especially after the scene where he's getting his ear hair groomed, like if she just yanked a bunch of like a fistful of it out of his head and walked off, yeah. like extracted payment for that disrespect.
1: Here's why that's a great rewrite, is because it doesn't change the relationship between Zek and Kira. If anything, <laughs> Zek would probably love that shit. Right. And and through that rewrite, we the uh the respect we have for kira as a kick-ass person remains like i I don't like how how they've turned kira into into a subservient person in this case a a diplomatic subservient in a way that we know she isn't yeah
0: so Pell and Quark have uh i guess zek at some point gave them gave them orders to increase the buy on the tula berries that they're supposed to be purchasing from the uh the kinked out aliens and it doesn't go well. The aliens leave. So Quark and Pell have to take the Negus' shuttle through the wormhole and into the Gamma Quadrant and uh, and pursue them, which is uh, kind of an adventure. Also kind of surprising that the Negus has such a small car, given his position.
1: It really looks perhaps the most Previa-like
0: <laughs> of all the ships. Like this is TNG canonical Ferengi shuttle. I mean, that'd be like if, the head of the Federation cruised around in a bunk bed.
1: The thing I, I dislike maybe even most about the Ferengi shuttle is how undetailed it is. It is so smooth. Yeah. Like there's subtle things about Federation ships, like that Aztec pattern that, that are on the ships that right. look really nice in three dimensions, but this thing is like a lozenge.
0: Yeah, all it has is those like those little pincers on the front. Yeah. It's like, who yeah. Cares? What do those things do? Yeah, they're not pinching anything. No,
1: that, but Zek sure
0: is <laughs> pinching some butt. <laughs> yeah. What if the uh, what if that shuttle sexually harassed a spaceship? <laughs> I think that's what it was built for. <laughs> Gross. It's amazing that they've been uh, that they've been showing these Ferengi ships for such a long time. Like this is probably like the fifth season of television that they've existed in. And they're just now paying that off. (laughs) There's no windows
1: in that back part of the van. Also, Ben.
0: Kind of dark to think about. If this Ferengi shuttle's a-rockin'.
1: When they get to the planet, Quark has uh, a scene here that I really thought you'd appreciate. He kind of Pee-wee Herman's the moment with the lead uh, Dosey guy. Yeah. Like, he sort of does the Pee-wee knock-down-the-motorcycle thing. (laughs) I barely in grabbing a barrel of the wine and spilling it to get this guy to take him seriously.
0: I should have killed you back on that station.
1: But you didn't. And his, his doesn't care if he lives or die attitude, I think, engenders some respect from this dosi guy. But he's like, no, man, it's not that I don't want to do a deal with you. It's that I can't. I don't have the wine.
0: I didn't get that like they're trying to buy the wine from the dosi or the Tula to make the wine from the dosi on the idea that they're going to make Tula berry wine the most popular drink in the sector, wouldn't it already be the most popular drink in the sector if they have the raw materials for it? I mean, I don't mean to be a guy that's making fun of somebody about raw materials, but...
1: <laughs> now, that would be very hypocritical of you. <laughs> yeah, the the significance of of what they're trying to do here is a little bit lost on me, especially because, like, you would assume, like anyone and anything else, people would have very specific tulip berry wine preferences, whether or not that's related to brand yeah. or 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 mixological makeup. Yeah,
0: if you're going to go take them back to the Ferenginar to cultivate the wine, the terroir is not going to be on, you know?
1: What makes them think that drinking out of a bottle with pincers on it is going to be... <laughs> uh what they want to do when they're used to this wine flowing like out of three spigots into a fountain yeah
0: is that what that is the blue shit is tuliberry wine
1: yeah that's that's what i got
0: i was just that. reading that as uh the stuff that's in a uh a portable restroom that you see at <laughs> like a festival or on a construction site
1: yeah you're thinking the the Dozy just have like an open trough style toilet in the center of their party.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, of them was, uh, one of them was flying on a uh, commercial jet and took a dump and took one look at that <laughs> stuff and was like, hey, that looks pretty good.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's not where my mind went on that one. Pretty gross, but imagine the implications if uh, if the dosy, in addition to just being hyper aggressive, also eat and drink their own piss and <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> That's why they're so upset. They're very kinky people.
1: You can't judge. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for judging.
0: Adam, shut up. Let's talk to these people about the Max Fun Drive one more time. Yeah, this is the second week of The Drive. Our last episode of Greatest Gen before the end of The Drive. Which
1: means we're halfway there.
0: We're halfway there, living on a prayer. We would love to uh, to see the kind of support that, uh, that came out last year, come out again this year. Adam, there are a ton of bonus episodes that we have made already available to donors at the $5 per month level. And uh, these are episodes I'm really proud of, like... Last year we did, uh, as a second bonus episode for The Drive, a Crimson Tide episode that Adam Ragusia made an entire Picard song style music bed for
1: booth, 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 Keep it watch. Booth, booth, out of
0: sound drops that we got from Crimson Tide. And, uh, he is already working on a Red October sound bed for, uh, a episode that we may, in fact, be doing this year.
1: If things go according to plan, uh, I would expect that to happen in the near term. I think, God, having Ragusia on our side for the special eps has been a real treat for us. Someone was just asking me about that Crimson Tide episode today. They were like, I heard that you did a Crimson Tide episode. And I guess it's not necessarily common knowledge that we have the Crimson Tide episode as a donor-exclusive episode but we also have a couple of our live episodes from our most recent tours.
0: Yeah, we've got the uh First Contact live episode and the Star Trek Generations episode. Uh those are both things I'm super proud of and if we do a donor bonus about Star Trek 5 with the Flop House, that will also be bonus content. So getting in on the entry level $5 per month uh is how you get at, at that stuff. And, you know, like, uh, I think, uh, I, I think parting with that once a month is something that most budgets can accommodate if you're not already a donor. And, uh, it is how we support the production of this program. And, uh, we pay for things like hosting and the, you know, internet bills that we rack up connecting with each other. And, uh,
1: the P. O. Box, so people don't know our home address,
0: <laughs> right? And uh, things that we need as a proper show, and like we're very close to announcing our twenty eighteen tour, and and we're coming to a lot of parts of the United States this year, and a, a bunch of parts of Canada too. Like we're going to more cities than I ever thought it was possible for us to visit on the merits of this program, and we're able to do that because you know we can afford to take financial risks like traveling all over the country because we have listener support.
1: Right. I mean, so by supporting the show, what you're paying for are are all of the shows that we've made up until now, but also the potential that you and I have to create extra shows and to go out on tour and to create all of the things that we've had ideas for up until now. It's really uh, an, an investment. You're paying for what we've already made, but it's also an investment In our future. So if you care about what we've done here, if you've enjoyed our work up until now, uh, it's a way to ensure that that work keeps going forward in a big, big way.
0: If $5 a month is something you can afford easily, maybe consider stretching it to $10 a month where you get a drive-exclusive pin designed by the great Megan Lynn Cott who designed the enamel pins from last year which were a crazy big success. And uh, the, the pin for... Greatest generation this year is Deep Space Nine and uh says still a bit embarrassed. And uh it's really awesome. It like fully it, it's like really on theme with the Dustbuster Club pin from last year. I, I really like it.
1: It fits spiritually into what we do, maybe better than anything
0: else. Yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. at the twenty dollar per month level, Max Fun family cookbook with some uh some space themed cookie cutters. And you get the enamel pin, and you get the bonus content. Ben,
1: at the thirty-five dollar level, you get all of those things plus a special maximum fun engraved carafe. It's a juice carafe, but, but it's not just for it... juice.
0: Gentiles can use it too.
1: Uh, in keeping with the theme of the episode, you're right, Ben. <laughs> uh, you can you can fill it with uh, your your favorite alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage. Uh, you can you can put a bunch of flowers in it. You can fill it with a meat and cheese dip from the recipe that I've uh, submitted to the cookbook.
0: But you would also get at this level yeah, as a new and upgrading member at the $50 per month level, metal engraved maximum fun membership card, plus the craft, plus the cookbook, plus the pin, plus the bonus content.
1: Divide your powders into lines with a, with a metal card almost perfectly suited to do so.
0: What you do with those powders after they're railed up
1: like that is up to you. Maybe you keep those powders in the carafe. <laughs> uh, you, you keep that metal card nearby and you enjoy the cookbook all at the same time.
0: I mean, it sounds like you're rich. You have $50 a month to part with. Give me a break. I'm looking at
1: you, all of you rich people uh, who are who are feeling guilty about being so rich. Here's how you alleviate that guilt: you alleviate that guilt by supporting the greatest generation at uh, at something greater than the fifty dollar level.
0: Hundred bucks a month, two hundred bucks a month. Both of these are levels that you can contribute at.
1: Support at that level not only would give us a big, big boost, but I think what that does is it also uh, it supports at a level that takes care of a lot of our listenership that is not in a financial position to support us this year. And we love them just as much as anyone else. Uh, free ways to support the show include uh, a five-star review on your podcast, Purveyor of Choice, or uh, or just tweeting or telling a friend about it.
0: Yeah. the The Pledge Drive is not here to be a guilt trip on people who aren't in a financial position to support like we put this out for free all year if you are in a position to pay what you can to support it and keep it free for everyone that is hugely appreciated and I know that the people that can't afford it uh really appreciate it I mean we hear we hear from people every week that this show has impacted in all kinds of different ways and uh you know like we had We had a marriage proposal on the show this year. We've had all kinds of amazing, positive stuff come out of this project. And keeping it free and unladen with tons and tons of ads is a real goal of Adam and mine. And every bit of listener support that we get goes to help keep it that way.
1: Uh, There's a link in the show notes. Go to maximumfundorg slash donate. Support the shows you love for another year make sure you check the box next to the greatest generation and thank you for your support and another great Max Fun drive.
0: Yeah, and uh, while you're at it, when, why not just check off Friendly Fire and Greatest Discovery while you're at it even if you don't listen to those shows? Just uh, just help your boys out.
1: Yeah, that's all going to us too. What What are you doing
0: now? Exactly. Quark and Pell do something on this business trip that I have refused <laughs> to do for a long time, which is they share a hotel room
1: yeah the idea of sharing a hotel room with a with a business associate not great No whether or not Pell's gender identity is an issue here that that does not matter it like they should not be getting into the same bed together as coworkers That's not fun. no
0: It's inappropriate no matter what the gender situation is if they were both boys right. and inappropriate. If one's gay, one's straight. Inappropriate. If both are gay, if both are straight. If one's a boy, one's a girl. If both are girls, all scenarios. Inappropriate. A business should not be asking this, especially somebody as rich as Zach, right? Like he should shell yeah. out for, for a couple of rooms and let them earn the Starwood points on their own cards. That's the way, you know, you build esprit de coeur among your employees.
1: What's the deal? Like, do they have a ZEC company card and they're like (laughs) paying as they go? Because if I were them, I'd just be invoicing after the fact. Yeah. Get two rooms. Yeah. Invoice for two rooms. That's how you earn all the
0: Starwood points, Adam.
1: I mean, ask forgiveness later, I guess.
0: Yeah. I didn't know what the company travel policy was. I'm sorry. Next time. Adam, when I travel with my wife, if we go to a hotel room that has two beds, we sleep in two different beds. I don't like sharing anything with anybody. (laughs) You're really
1: Brady-bunching it, huh?
0: Yeah. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. (laughs) This is one of those emotionally charged situations that leads to a lot of bad decision making. Pell is really panicked when Quirk starts kind of like disrobing and she's like, well, maybe we should drink and strategize about business first. And I thought this was like her trying to get him drunk so that he would pass out before her. Yeah. But in fact it is her doing liquid courage to build up the nerve to lay a smooch on him. Yeah, which she does. And he is not entirely unreceptive to it. Like she kisses him and he kind of like starts lying back on the bed like I don't know what's going on, but I like this. Which I kind of believe, right? Like I think that If you are responding to like the pheromones and personality of a person, you probably, even if they weren't like, even if they weren't signaling the gender that you're nominally attracted to, I bet you, I bet you still fall in love or whatever in this very implausible scenario.
1: Yeah. And at least in the future that's depicted here, like Pell's gender doesn't appear to be an issue. Like, Quark is happy for the affection.
0: Yeah, uh he's uh, only happy briefly because a the uh Dozai lady that they had in the initial negotiation barges into their hotel room which is apparently uh all all they have is a gauzy curtain <laughs> blocking it off. I'm not
1: interrupting <laughs> anything, am I?
0: <gasps> Given how violent the Dozai have been depicted as being, I would be very scared to uh to stay in this hotel.
1: Yeah. There's definitely not a lock on that door. No. There's no knot that's as good as a lock.
0: Yeah, it's just a it's just a gauzy curtain and then one of those halogen lamps from the 90s that used to burn people's houses down.
1: It's got a real operating room type feel. Like that bed is super high. Yeah. The light is very bright.
0: Yeah. Weird vibes over on the Dozai planet. Yeah. But uh she's she's like, "Hey, listen, I'm going to I'm going to kick it to you for real. The wine that you're here trying to buy doesn't exist in the kind of quantities you guys are trying to buy it in but i can sell you information about who you can talk to to get that kind of quantity and it's only going to cost you a little bit the the people you really need to talk to are the karema they're part of the dominion
1: a group referred to so casually it almost makes them forgettable like (laughs) quark and peller like huh well that's cool thanks for the knowledge (laughs) <laughs> like contrast that with how the Borg were introduced Yeah Like where the threat was existential immediately I really like how subtle they roll out the Dominion in Deep Space Nine
0: I think that this Your average viewer watching Contemporaneous with the release Would probably miss this entirely and, Yeah Because I don't think that the Dominion shit really pops off for a long time after this Now. No They're probably a bigger part of the Deep Space Nine series than the Borg were part of TNG in terms of, like, how many episodes there are about them. Right. But it's very subtle.
1: Yeah, they weren't really a concern until season three.
0: So all along they've been suspecting that Zek knows more about doing biz in the Gamma Quadrant than he's been letting on. And so Quark and Pell head back, and and Quark is like, Hey dude, I actually found something out and he says,
1: I could arrange a meeting between you and a powerful
0: member of the Dominion. This is what Zack was looking for and Zack is uh, able to make a deal with Quark at this point. I'll see to it that you earn a percentage of
1: every Ferengi opportunity in the Gamma Quadrant,
0: which is a uh, which is probably just a dump truck of latinum, right?
1: It also like if Quark is gonna be instrumental in the business dealings in the Gamma Quadrant, it probably gives Pell a little hope that that they would reunite at some point because you get into a little bit of what Pell's whole plan was the whole time. Like Pell wants to go to the Gamma Quadrant so she can live free from the societal constraints of the Ferengi and would love to be there with Quark. Yeah. Pell is also shattered that that Cork doesn't want to doesn't want to discuss what happened uh, on the Dossi planet, and not only that, actually denies that it happened to begin with, which he, is like profoundly hurtful for her.
0: Yeah, he he engages in an act of vicious makeout erasure, <laughs>
1: right? And uh, which is something we've been on the receiving end on quite a bit in our <laughs> lives, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, him? No, didn't do that with him. <laughs> you must be thinking of somebody else. <laughs>
1: I'm just squinting, looking out in the middle distance, thinking, college.
0: (laughs) I'm squinting out into the middle distance, thinking, one or two years after college.
1: (laughs) I'm squinting, looking into the middle distance, thinking, my entire marriage.
0: (laughs) rom has not been sitting on his hands in quark's absence and uh one of the things he did was go toss pel's quarters and find the uh lobe loaf kit that she kept under her bed because uh the the deal is that ferengi women have substantially smaller ears than than male Ferengis, but still substantially larger ears than humans.
1: Ben, I feel like you and I have hidden things. <laughs> things that we didn't want uh, a parent to find. A little better than uh, than Pell hides her, her fake ear playset. <laughs> right, right. Like, Rom fucking tosses the entire quarters in a fairly thorough manner. I I was impressed by this. Yeah,
0: but then they're just under the bed, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like i check under the bed first.
0: The the Nagus leaves and Ram is like, hey, dude, I gotta tell you something, man. And he pulls he pulls Pell over, it. and this is all shot like on wide angle with the <laughs> the superstructure of the bar forming kind of a proscenium around it.
1: Is the proscenium the space between uh, the the dick and the butthole? <laughs> is that what that is?
0: Yeah, it's like a a, a a pantomime that takes place between the dick and the butthole. And it is very. Is that,
1: uh, is that the place between your nose and your top lip? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Adam. That
0: that's what you're thinking of. And uh, it's, it's very clear that Rom is putting Pell's business out in the streets, and Quark uh, has a fainting reaction to this. He gets the vapors.
1: One of those super fun falls out of frame, Yeah, you know, into the, into well, the
0: waiting. It's not even out of frame, Adam. It's out of, out of the proscenium arch. <laughs> into, into the wings he falls.
1: Uh, for, for all of you out there drinking every time Ben says proscenium, <laughs> maybe have a buffer water around now.
0: <laughs> Guess you never took a theater class in college, Adam. Sure didn't. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, like, I feel like all of the tension in the episode, like, the, the, it's been building the entire time, and this is, like, the 38-minute mark, and all of the tension has to get now hashed out before the end of the episode. And it's a lot. Like, there's tension between Quark and Rom. Like, Rom has, like, a little bit of leverage on Quark now, which is not great for Quark because he thinks his brother's an idiot.
1: Not the secret keeper that Dax is, certainly.
0: No. Quark goes to Pell's quarters and finds her hanging out in in lady format, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he wanders over to her condo and she's just chilling.
0: And, uh, and he's like, where are your lobes? To me. He's disgusted that she's breaking Ferengi cultural mores by being a lady wearing clothes and he's basically he's like giving her a bunch of latinum and just saying like get the fuck out of my life you've uh, you've come very close to ruining me because if i am outed as a male ferengi who did business with a female ferengi everything will end for me this like the character of quark who we have been asked to accommodate as as one of our protagonists does something really nasty and and seemingly pretty unforgivable here.
1: And it's not the first time that he's acted in a way that has felt unforgivable. It's a testament to his cult of personality that we continue to like him.
0: Yeah, like, the idea that he can be a sympathetic character after this scene is astonishing. But in the next scene, like, he kind of saves the cat. He... Like, they go and... talk to the nagus and the nagus is like i'll see to it
1: that you spend the rest of your life in prison
0: and quark turns the the like accusation and recrimination right back around on him and says like hey you did business with her too like your hands are just as dirty as mine are in the scenario in which hands are being dirtied by this so (laughs) you need to stop talking shit sec
1: yeah they all kind of feel like it's sort of the uh circular firing line of everyone knows the same thing that could get each other person in, in trouble and not just in trouble but like imprisoned for a very long time and so knowing that they agree to keep the secret
0: like it's talked about as though it's illegal but we're on a bajoran space station like it's only illegal on Ferenginar. It is not in fact illegal out here. I feel like they could have written this in a different way where they're like, like what an interesting problem for the Ferengi to make for themselves. If they say like, okay, like let's make a carve out in our code that it's okay outside of the home world for Ferengi women, to, you know, and then that Ferengi women have this like incentive to emancipate themselves from Ferenginar and start like finding ways to sneak out. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and like interesting storyline to start
1: it would be and it would be tied into the idea of whether or not deep space nine is like an extradition free zone yeah in this way like the one character that we don't really get a lot of at all is cisco in this episode and i am sure that he would have some some very organized thoughts on the matter right and that's sort of what we don't get when a with a conflict of this type when it's ferengi versus ferengi when it's uh,
0: loaf on n- loaf crime?
1: It uh it is not articulated plainly.
0: Yeah, so she she takes her money and goes and Quark's interest in Ferengi operations in the Gamma Quadrant is nullified by Zek and uh it's kind of it's kind of just back to square one, right? Like the like everybody comes out behind.
1: Yeah, I mean Quark has gotta be pretty devastated that you know, the potential profit that the Gamma Quadrant represented is gone. But he seems to have made a sort of peace with it if it meant Pell's life as a free person has been spared.
0: You know, I I have some some friends who, you know, either are from traditional cultures or whose parent you know, are like whose parents are immigrants and they're from traditional cultures and They are kind of like Quark in this episode, caught between the values of their parents and the values of the United States, and like who they marry is tremendously important to their parents. Like you know, if you're Muslim, you have to marry a Muslim, or if you're Jewish, you have to marry a Jew. Like that kind of fealty to traditional values that that squashes the potential of a relationship between Pell and Quark is a real thing that happens, you know, like Quark, I think really loves Pell and is too wrapped up in his own traditional thoughts to like, to like accommodate the idea of being with a woman who defies a lot of those values. You know, from our perspective, it sucks, but like, I can imagine that I I imagine a lot of people identify with that, whether or not like the spe- you know, the specific values on display are something they identify with.
1: Quark appears to grieve for the profit that he's lost, but like as a viewer, I grieve for the growth that he does not get to experience. Yeah. Because I think Pell unlocks something about him that is super interesting to me that I would like to see explored more. Like, if we never see Pell again, uh, it feels like a little bit of an opportunity lost to grow Quark's character outside of the gray area that he exists in right now.
0: I totally agree. Like, she goes to the Gamma Quadrant. Like, what if she turns up, you know, in a season rich as fucking powerful and like you know, wielding some kind of business empire over there. That would be great.
1: Like if she if she goes over there and kicks ass and returns, that that would be a greater threat than Pell represents in this episode. Agree. Give her the the reentry into the show like Vash got. Yeah. Did you like this episode, Ben?
0: <sighs> Boy, as hard as it is for me to say this about a Ferengis episode, I kinda <laughs> did. I mean, I don't love the way it's resolved, but like it's fun to to see a show have a character like Quark that is, you know, repugnant in a lot of ways, and really like dig into like what makes him tick, and like they do, they make they have Quark do things that are really deeply unlikable in this episode, and they also have him have little glimmers of uh, moments where you could see his potential as a good person. And, uh, he, you know, he seems very human suddenly.
1: At this point in time. I think he's the most interesting character on the show, and I don't think it's close. Like, he he does, as we've said before, he does contemptible things. But he also, uh, he lives by a code that keeps him from from going fully
0: dark. A man has got to have a code.
1: The good things that he does often go completely unseen. Like he gets caught doing almost everything wrong. (laughs) But very few people catch him doing right. That's true. Yeah, I think I like this episode too. Priority
0: one message
1: from Ben, we've got no priority one messages this week, uh, because support for the show is coming from the twenty eighteen Max Fun Drive. Hell yeah. Thanks to everyone who has supported the show up until now. I want to thank everyone who is a new supporter and an extra big thank you to those who have upgraded their level of support this year. Yeah. It uh, really if, means a lot to us.
0: If you've ever thought about getting a P1 and felt like you didn't want to part with a hundred bucks or whatever, like five bucks a month does not hurt as much as one hundred bucks all at once. Uh, head to MaximumFund.org slash donate.
1: Yeah. Thanks to everyone who has uh, decided to support The Greatest Generation that.
0: that. am I right? Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. It's available nationwide. That's Microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com, promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making the greatest generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe.
1: Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben?
0: Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk, drunk shimoda! shimoda!
1: My Shimoda comes from that very first scene, Morn sleeping on the bench. <laughs> They're finding a way to grow Morn's character five seconds at a time.
0: Yeah. I really like that. I no think dialogue, maybe... always, always just a thing he is up to.
1: I know all of his scenes have at some point had to have been put together into sort of a mourn reel. I'm not going to ruin <laughs> myself by watching that right now, but uh I look forward to the idea of all these little snippets being put together into a greater mourn story. But uh this particular chapter in that story, I got a real kick out of. He's he's like the Mervin's guy outside the store that isn't open yet. He's he just needs to get into Corks and I love that.
0: Yeah, it's dude same. I uh I I wrote down mourn and <laughs> You uh, you described exactly why. I also just loved loved getting a nice close up on Morn. You know, like a nice tight shot of Morn's face is something. You know, he's generally deep in background, and uh, it was fun to like really like get a get a good look at how that loaf works. His face is like
1: stone. It it never moves at all. So all of his expression <laughs> is through the eyes. I think that's a magic trick. I really appreciate.
0: See what Dax sees in him.
1: Yeah. What do we have coming up on the next step, Ben?
0: The next episode of Season 2, Episode 8, Necessary Evil. An attack on Quark's life brings Odo face-to-face with a five-year-old unsolved murder for which Kira was a prime suspect. Or, as our friends at the Netflix Corporation have it, a beautiful Bajoran woman calls Quark to Bajor and persuades him to retrieve a strongbox that her husband kept hidden on Deep Space Nine. Man, that uh, that Netflix subscription makes it seem like it's going to be a Quark episode. The Amazon one makes it seem like it's either going to be an Odo episode or a Kira episode.
1: Get it together, guys.
0: Yeah. Got to get on the same page with these caps.
1: You want to see uh, in what condition we will be watching this episode?
0: I do. You're required to learn as you play. Roll.
1: I've put the die into the backgammon cup. <laughs> and I've thrown it on the table. My roll is two, Ben. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. The number two.
0: Okay, Adam, that, me- that puts us on 22. We're, uh, we're in striking distance of a Quirks bar for next time. But, uh, but just a standard issue episode next time on Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine.
1: Ah, oh, what a relief. <laughs> well, want to uh, thank everyone who has supported the show during the pledge drive once again. Pledge drive only happens once a year, and that's why we keep ringing this bell uh, through the episodes during the drive. I think I think everyone involved can appreciate that we don't do this multiple times a year. we aren't we aren't doing that. We're not larding up our episodes with advertisements. We're not doing all sorts of distasteful things to try to uh, to get listener support, we're trying to do it the right way, which means uh, this once-a-year drive format, uh, it's the one time of year where Maximum Fun gives away really cool prizes to, uh, to those who choose to support the shows that they love.
0: Yeah, and every time you listen to the show, uh, from here on in, you can think, hey, I helped make that happen.
1: Every time you listen to the show, drinking out of that juice carafe, you can think, hey, I paid for this juice carafe and also helped out my friends at The Greatest Generation.
0: That's a great way to be. So head to MaximumFun.org slash donate right now. Make sure that you are a new and upgrading member. And uh, we will see you back here next week with a regular old episode that doesn't have a pledge break in it. We appreciate your forbearance and, uh, and all of the support that has... I'm sure, poured out for us by this point. Even though we are recording this from before the Pledge Drive even starts.
1: (laughs) We'll be in Pledge Drive refractory period when we uh, come back at you with another great episode. Star Trek Deep Space Nine, an episode of The Greatest Generation Deep Space Nine that tells its story in flashback.